0: You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Bove of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James.
1: So that brings us to verse 11. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And so it says in verse 12, now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. He's thinking, oh no, this is not working out the way that I hoped. This is really going bad for me. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Akish said to his servants, look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so David is learning a valuable lesson here as he is in this super dangerous very scary situation in the enemy's camp and now you know getting accused and so he begins to cry out to the Lord and I believe that his feigning insanity was actually a solution from God. Have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what you were going to do and you're sending out the arrow prayers and God gives you some creative thing? Well, David was crying out to the Lord. We know that from Psalm 56. And then he just begins to act like a crazy man. This was a, a super risky move because, man, they could just pull out their swords and just kill him right there. Who is this guy? <laughs> but it worked. And so he just starts acting crazy and foaming at the mouth. And God takes him out of the situation and frees him from it and brings him into the next phase. It's the grace of God in David's life. Even though he's afraid, he's making bad choices, God has not left him. The Holy Spirit of God that's upon him remains upon him. And he has that anointing And so God is taking care of him. Friends, this is true of you too. Are you in an impossible situation? God is with you. Have you made him your Lord and your savior? Is he your king? Guess what, he's going to see you through. And as you cry to him for help, he comes to the rescue. And the amazing thing about him is even if you forget to cry to him for help, he is with you, he loves you, he's ready to help. And he's ready to deliver. And he's so creative in how he does that. When I was in Colorado, uh, my task was to empty out our house there. We still uh, have a, a home in Colorado. And we've been renting it out as an Airbnb. And now we're going to long term rental. And I had to clear out the entire house. I had still a lot of stuff in the garage and some pieces that needed to be taken care of, and and I started putting them out at the curb. You know how people come by and they just take your stuff? And I'm thinking, oh, someone maybe will just take this stuff. Uh, But it happened to be trash day, and so we had the trash barrels out, and the trash man comes by to take the trash barrels, and then he actually comes to my door, and he says, oh, hey, man, I saw a bunch of stuff out there on the curb. are, Are you wanting me to take that? And I said, well, I wasn't intending on it. Um, you know, I was, I was just going to leave it out there for people to take for free. I said, why, are you willing? And he's like, yeah, I'll take it for you, man. And then I said, well, there's a, you know, I got all this stuff in my garage too. He's "Oh yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it all. He literally backed up his trash truck into my driveway. <laughs> I kid you not. And together we just threw stuff into the back of the trash truck all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, wow, Lord, you're amazing. In 15 minutes, it was done. All I had to do was sweep out the garage, vacuum, and then paint one of the rooms that night. Isn't God amazing? How many people have ever had a trash guy come and say, can I empty out your garage for you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the only one. And, and it was right when I needed it. It's incredible. So I want to encourage you, you know, when you're in over your head and you don't know what you're doing, but God has said do it, then we step out and we step out in faith and we watch him provide and he blows our ever-loving minds. And that's what I experienced this week. I wish I had time to tell you all the stories. Maybe they'll come out as we go along, but he just did miracles and he's continuing to do it. Okay, okay, I'll tell you one more. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning on Saturday to start driving to Colorado, and I had to have two clickers to give to the tenant, and I only had one, but I knew I had another one somewhere, and I just couldn't find it. So, I go to bed. I wake up in the morning, and the first thing that came to my mind in the morning was, it's in the drawer in the desk, and I'm like, is it really, Lord? I go to the desk drawer, and there it is at 3.30 in the morning. So I got to go, and I had both my clickers to hand over. Save me $18. Isn't God good? (laughs) All right. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, it says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Now, Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 were written as David was hiding out in the cave of Adullam. So just for fun, let's turn to Psalm 142 and read that one. And you can read Psalm 57 on your own. Psalm 142, it says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. Can you picture David in in a cave, hiding for his life? And he just begins to cry out to the Lord with his voice. Can you hear his voice echoing in the cave as he's crying out to the Lord? Oh, God, help me. Be my rescuer, Lord. Help me. Verse 2, I pour out my complaint before him. What's going on, Lord? You anointed me king. You, You gave me victory over Goliath and the Philistines. And now here I am, alone in a cave, hiding for my life from King Saul. And he begins to pour out his complaint before the Lord. I declare before him my trouble. Then in verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. David is in a dark place. He's in a dark cave, but what's he doing? He's crying out to God and he's being real. And he's being honest about the situation that he's in. He's not trying to put up a front, a facade, a fake. He's not getting mad at God and just saying, get away from me, God, you've let me down. No, he's crying out to the Lord because he knows that the Lord is the answer. The Lord is the comforter. The Lord is the source of strength and help and not the cause of the trouble. Verse 5, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. You see where he goes the progression here as he starts in this dark place and pouring out his complaint and telling God about his trouble and then God shows up and bolsters his faith. And he begins to remember the promises of God and turn his cares to prayers. And he begins to praise God and give him worship despite his circumstances. And then he says in the end with great confidence, you shall deal bountifully with me man God loves this attitude in us friends when we're going through the hardships we got to be real and it, it hurts and it's troubling and we can pour out our complaint to the Lord but then oh as we begin to worship and praise God he lifts us out of that place of despair and he helps us to see the end that it's going to be okay that God's going to take us out of it He's going to see us through it, that He's going to keep His promises, and that even if we die, well, there's heaven to go to. There's an eternal inheritance that we have waiting for us. Forever fellowship with God in His presence, it's going to be incredible. And so even in the worst of situations, in the worst of circumstances, in the most terrible diagnosis, we can still worship God and give Him praise and find peace and find joy in it. And so then as David is doing this, and we're back in 1 Samuel 22, middle of verse 1, as he's doing this, it says, so when his brothers, remember those guys, and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Why would they do this? Because King Saul's nuts. He's become a power hungry, phobic, afraid for his crown and for his posterity's um, future as kings. He wants this to be his lineage, and so he's now holding on so tightly, as we've mentioned in the past, idolizing the position and the power, and he's now willing to do whatever it takes to keep it, and so in those days, when someone's trying to take your throne, it's for their own lineage and dynasty. And so you just kill their whole family. Just wipe them all out. So there's no claim to the throne on, in anywhere from the house of David. And so these guys understand we're in trouble too. So they go to the cave of Adullam to meet with David. And then in verse 2, it says, And everyone who was in distress everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. So he's the first Robin Hood, hanging out in Sherwood Forest with with all the merry men. And uh, you know, these are the least, the last, and the lost, right, the drags of humanity, whatever. That have now come to David for refuge and they admire him they admire his leadership they see in him and associating with him a new beginning and a new future and that's what they're holding on to as well as escaping uh, the current administration now here David is a Christ figure He's providing refuge and leadership to the least, the last and the lost. And that's all of us, friends, as we come to Jesus as beggars, as spiritually impoverished, as people who've sinned against God and are guilty and deserve to go to hell. And yet we see in Jesus another chance. And in, in, through the cross, we see forgiveness and we see redemption. And that's what these people are attracted to David for. You know, the disciples, they weren't anything special. When Jesus called them, they were fishermen, tax collector, a political zealot, even a thief. Paul was a tent maker. And they come to Jesus, and he transforms them and makes them kings and priests to the Most High God. And so it is with us. When Jesus was just beginning his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he's in the synagogue, and he grabs a scroll and begins to read from the book of Isaiah. And he says, and this is Luke 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen to who it is that he's called to. It says the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. That's who Jesus was called to. He said, I didn't, you know, come uh, to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners, because righteous people don't need to repent. But the important thing to remember is none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory we're all in that desperate situation. It's just a matter of who's aware of it and who's not. Jesus came for a fallen humanity. And so David offers a new start to these 400 men, and Jesus offers a new start. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise Jesus. That old life, that old you, that old self that brought you shame, that made you want to hide your face and put your head down and not look people in the eye, that person's gone as you put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, as you invite him into your life and become a part of his family and your sins are forgiven and they're washed away and they're removed from you as far as the east is from the west, gone, he remembers them no more. He said, come, let us reason together, you and I. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. And now you can hold your head up, friend, and you can be unashamed, and you can look people in the eye and have confidence, because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so this is a new hope for these men coming to David. Now, he also is going to change them through as they come to Him, they are going to become like Him. He's going to make disciples of them, if you will. A disciple is a follower, a follower. A disciple is someone who seeks to be like the person that they are following. And so someone who has disciples is someone who is wanting to reproduce himself in the lives of other people. And this is what David's going to do as these men come to him. Many would later become his mighty men, listed in the Bible as doing incredible things in battle, mighty works of valor just like David did when he faced Goliath, just like David did as a general in Saul's army. Being around David, this courage and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's upon him becomes contagious, so that David then ends up with an army of men who are similar to him, and they're unstoppable. It's pretty amazing to see. And so, we go back to Jesus as we remember that David is a type of Christ, and we think of the disciples of Jesus, among whom we are also disciples of Jesus. We call ourselves Christians. It means little Christ. What we're saying is, I want to be like Christ, and so I'm going to seek after that I'm gonna get to know him and be around him and observe him and watch him and read about him. And as I do, I'm going to become more like him. I'm gonna take on his love and his mercy and his character and his courage and be like Jesus. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So there's many ways to make disciples evangelism, getting together one-on-one and sharing with somebody. And evangelism can happen formally or informally. A discipleship can happen formally or informally. What, what do you mean by that? You could be at the doctor's office, and then someone, you know, the topic just comes up. You're reading your, your Bible app, and someone looks over your shoulder and starts asking you about it. And you begin discipling. You tell them about Jesus. They might even already be a Christian, but they're interested in your part of the Scripture that might make them a little bit more like Jesus as you're sharing with them. Informal, formal harvest crusade, church gathering. Teaching, right, is discipling, one-on-one teaching, sitting, having breakfast with someone and sharing the Scriptures and going through it. We can do this with our family, with our friends, whether it's official in church or it's a work Bible study. Another way to disciple people is through giving them godly counsel. And this happens, I think, most often in an informal situation where someone shares their problem with you and they need advice. What do I do? And you turn them to the Scripture and you turn them to Jesus. And you say, well, here's what God says about that. I don't know. It's so expensive here in Southern California. And me and my girlfriend, we're not ready to get married. But, you know, we're thinking about just moving in together. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about that. And then, what are you doing? You're discipling someone as you speak the truth to them in love. And you share with them. And so, godly counsel. Another way to disciple people is by example. The Apostle Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. And so, he was an example to the believers in word and deed, as he told Timothy to be an example to the believers in word and deed. And so, as you're doing any of those things, as you are sharing the love of Jesus, Maybe you didn't even realize that you were discipling people. You're like, you mean when I was at work and I started sharing with a coworker, I was discipling someone? Yes. You mean as I posted on social media this scripture that spoke to my heart, and if someone else reads it and administers to them, and it makes them a little bit more like Jesus, I was discipling someone? Yes. It's the activity of being a Christian but we should be intentional about it, and we should be asking God, how, Lord, do you want me to fulfill this? And then all the indebted people and everybody, right, they're invited. Come on in, and in time, we all become more like Jesus together. Verse 3, we're finishing up, then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, well, another enemy territory, And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. And so David, you might remember, his great grandmother was Ruth and Ruth was a Moabitess. So it would kind of make sense that he would be drawn to take his family who are, he himself is part Moabite (laughs) and and ask for shelter there. And so his family finds shelter there. But in verse five, it says, now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Horeth. Now it's so awesome how David is seeking God for direction. And so he has this prophet Gad. We're going to find that this prophet Gad shows up intermittently throughout the entire time that this 10 years that he's on the run. And then later as he becomes king, Gad is still around, a prophet to David. And in fact, he outlives David. And so he was probably young at this time. But David was wise enough to keep prophets around and priests around so that he could seek the heart of God in a difficult situation. Or in, in this case, he thought he was good. I'm in a stronghold. I'm outside of the country. I'm good. I'm safe. And God says, no, you're not. God told me it's time to move. And he says, okay, then let's move. And he moves. He listens to the lord and so let's be sure to keep godly people around us and listen to godly counsel and seek that out keep coming to church and hearing the voice of god thank you jesus that you're with us always that you love us we're your family in jesus name amen
0: You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program, or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get In Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.